Well, good morning, everyone, and Merry Christmas uh, to you all, all that are here and all that are worshiping with us online. And I'd just like to thank Andrew for the opportunity to uh, uh, share a few words with you today from John's Gospel. So, and I encourage you to have a Bible in front of you. Um, you may want to re refer to it. Last week, Andrew began this three-week series to finish the year's focus on the Holy Spirit. And he reminded us of a few things. That the Spirit of God, it was the Spirit of God who, who guided the uh, early Israelites uh, through the wilderness. He said that the Holy Spirit is a person and that that person lives in us. And it's he who gives us spiritual gifts, who gives us the fruit of the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. So as I uh, open up these, this passage to you this morning, please just pray with me. Father, as we look at this passage now in John's Gospel, pray that you would open our eyes and ears to hear what the Holy Spirit has to teach us. Amen. If I was to ask you, do you love Jesus, what would you say? How would you answer? Some might say that you've heard about Jesus, but you don't know much about him. Some might say that you're not sure if you love him. How do I know for sure? Others may say, I don't think I do, but I'd like to. Still others might say, yes, I do love Jesus. It's an important question because of who Jesus is and why he came to earth. Jesus is God the Son who came to earth to seek and to save the lost. And it's also an important question because of what Jesus says in these two verses, verses 23 and 24. Jesus says that if you love him, then you will obey. You will obey his teaching. So those who answered, yes, I love Jesus. Second question is, do you obey his teaching? Do you obey his commands? Because he goes on to say, you won't obey my teaching if you don't love me. Today we're going to look at two questions. How do I know I love Jesus? Or alternatively, how can my love of Jesus grow? And secondly, if, as Jesus said here, that if you love me, you will obey me, how do I learn to obey Jesus? Or again, alternatively, how do I develop the mindset to want to obey him? Because as Christians, we're commanded to do so. Two weeks ago, our Bishop Paul Barker clearly defined how we are to love God. We're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our strength. It's everything that you are, wherever you are, and whenever you're awake, 
There's nothing about you that is outside of the command to love God. And in today's verses, it's clear that our love of God is seen in faithful obedience. Because if we love Jesus, we obey him. These verses are very black and white statements. There appears to be no middle ground. It's an either-or situation. But surely there must be, because only Jesus is perfect. He's the only one who never fails in any way. Everyone else will fail. Verse 23 does not mean that you have to be perfect. So, do you love Jesus? After Jesus was arrested, the night before his crucifixion, Peter three times denied he even knew Jesus. And the Gospels say that he wept bitterly for having done so. After his resurrection, when he found Peter three times, the Lord asked him, do you love me? And each time Peter answered, yes. Jesus never said, no, you don't. And the Lord reinstated him, and he became the, uh, the head of the church in Jerusalem. So how did that come about? Fellowship with God is dependent on love. And love is dependent on obedience. Charles Barclay said, the more we obey God, the more we understand God. And the person who lives their life according to God's commands or walks in God's way inevitably walks with God. And Charles Spurgeon said, little faith will get you to heaven, but great faith will bring heaven to your soul. Your heart can become a heaven on earth as you commune with the Lord and worship him. So how do we know if we love Jesus? How do we get to know him? Well, how do you get to know anyone and grow closer to them? You spend time with them. You do that regularly. So as you do that, you get to know each other. And it's from there that your love for that person grows. It might be a person who becomes your fiance or a good friend. So firstly, spend time with Jesus. Get to know him. That happens through, spe through spending time talking with him in prayer and learning more about him in the Bible regularly, daily. Only then will that love grow. Secondly, there's something else involved, and there's, there's a spiritual dimension. We grow closer to God through obedience to God. It's more than just reading words on a page. So how does that happen? How do we get to know Jesus personally? John, in his first letter, said, The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know by the spirit he gave us. Believers in Jesus have the Holy Spirit in them. Obedience grows out of love for Jesus and his word, and it grows over time. 
those who don't know God cannot love Jesus, nor can they obey his teaching. Jesus had been rejected by his own people, the Jews, so he was unable to reveal himself to them. So he revealed himself to his disciples, who subsequently became his church. And the church, including St. Mark's, is to be a witness to God's love. We sitting here are to be a witness to God's love to each other in this church and to our neighbor. God is patiently waiting, giving those in the world who are lost a chance to repent and be saved. So why did the disciples need to hear what Jesus said in these verses? Well, we go on and look at verses 25 and 26. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. All this I have spoken while still with you implies that Jesus is going away, soon to be with them no more. And this is one of maybe 15 times in chapters 13 to 15 where Jesus said in one way or another that he was leaving them. And this was the day before his crucifixion. He knew the effect of leaving him was having on his disciples, his close personal friends. And I think his love for them comes through in these verses as he repeatedly tries to console them. Those who know God have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, and God the Father and God the Son both live in that person. That very personal relationship between God and us develops through the Holy Spirit. Verse 26 says, The Holy Spirit will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. So how does the Holy Spirit reveal himself to us? The Holy Spirit is called the advocate. The Greek word is also translated helper, comforter, encourager. The word has the idea of a training, uh, of a trainer running alongside someone in a race to give that runner help and encouragement, hope, correction, comfort. Paul, uh, shortly before he was killed, said, I have run the good race. Well, in August of this year at the Olympics, Australians Ash Maloney and Cedric Dobler were competing in the decathlon, which some say uh, is the toughest Olympic sport. In the last event of the decathlon, knowing he was out of medal contention, Cedric decided to solely dedicate his race to helping out his good friend. And because of that encouragement, Ash went on to win the bronze medal. The Holy Spirit is, in a sense, running beside us as our helper, encouraging us every day of our lives. He trains believers to dedicate themselves, to reject hindrances, and to become obedient to Christ. He's here for you and for me. The Spirit does this supernaturally, partly by recalling the words of Jesus and by applying them to different situations. 
In the first century church, as recorded in Acts chapters 2 and 4, we can see the impact the Holy Spirit had on the new believers and, consequently, how their actions impacted the people in Jerusalem. It says the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship with other believers, and in prayer. They sold much of what they had and gave the money to those in need. Every day they went into the temple. Every day, not just once a week. Every day they went into the temple, shared their meals with joy, generosity, praising God. And chapter 4 adds that the believers were united in heart and soul. They no longer saw their belongings as their own, but belonging to God. And so they shared everything they had, resulting in no one being left in need. Those actions had great impact on the people in Jerusalem. Awe came upon the people because of the miraculous signs and healings and wonders that the apostles did and through their powerful teaching and testimony to the resurrection of Jesus. The people also witnessed the life-changing behavior of the Christ followers. It says that every day, many more were being saved. That's every day. A healthy Christian community attracts people to Christ. The Jerusalem church's zeal for worship and brotherly love was contagious. And in the next chapter of, of John's Gospel, chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. We can do nothing for the kingdom of God without Jesus, but we can do marvelous things with him. Rather, I should say, Jesus can do marvelous things through, to the kingdom through us, through you and me. And Jesus chose you, and he chose me to do his work and to bear much fruit. The disciples had spent three years uh, living their lives with Jesus as he traveled with them and he continually taught them. They watched how he dealt with the rich and the poor, the powerful and the powerless. He explained the Old Testament law, including scripture that pointed to himself. He used many parables and illustrations. It had been an intense apprenticeship they didn't have computers or so-called smartphones. There, was no, there were no commentaries on Jesus' life. Nothing, uh, there was no New Testament. All they had was their experiences with him. They couldn't possibly remember it all. And the Lord knew that. So he said that the Father would send the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, who would do two things for them. He would teach them all things, and he would remind them of everything that he had told them. So Jesus explained to them the Holy Spirit's future ministry, which was to carry on what he had done and to point people to Jesus himself. So the Apostle John 
wrote this gospel, this book. He's its author. Yet, as we've just seen, John had help from the Holy Spirit. He could not have written it all on his own. The Holy Spirit, the helper, helped John uh, author these verses that were read out today by David. The entire Old and New Testaments were inspired by God the Spirit. The Bible is called the Holy Bible because it was written by men under the direction and influence of a holy God. So even when we write the name Bible, it should always be capitalized because it contains holy words authored by God himself. Paul said towards the end of his life, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God breathed, of course, refers to the Holy Spirit. He inspired John and every other writer of the Bible so that their writings told the truth of God and were without error. Jesus promised his disciples that the Holy Spirit would help them remember what he'd taught them. He would remind them of their, of their eyewitness accounts with the Lord and point out the truth of God in what Jesus did and said. And he would do that in specific situations where the application of the truth was needed. The Holy Spirit helps us in the same way. He can teach us God's truth as we study the Bible, as we read it and ponder what it says. We can trust the Holy Spirit to, in a sense, plant truth in our mind and in our heart. He can convince us of God's will and remind us of when we drift away from it, and he does do that. We grow closer to God through obedience to God and through his word. So, how often do you read the Bible, study it, meditate on it, memorize a verse? That's a major way that the Holy Spirit works in our lives as he slowly molds us, transforms us, making us more and more like Jesus, more and more usable by God. And as we take on God's truth and act on it, being obedient to it, we slowly grow closer and closer to Jesus as he reveals more of himself to us. When I read a passage of scripture that I know pretty well, sometimes I see something new, something I'd never really noticed before. And I know people in here have had that same experience. And it may help me with something or give me something later to say to someone to maybe help them. That's the Holy Spirit. So if I say to myself, well, uh, uh, yeah, I know this story, so I don't really need to look at it again. Well, I would miss that opportunity of God speaking to me. The disciples were probably in shock hearing that Jesus was going to leave them. He just told them that the Holy Spirit would be with them. And now in verse 27, he says, peace I leave with you, my peace 
I give you. I do not give it as the world gives. The world Jesus was born into did have peace. It was Roman peace that came from brutality and war. Today the world is so full of hate and greed and bitterness and unforgiveness that any attempt at peace is simply overwhelmed. The world's, world's peace seems to come from material things like money and having the latest gadget. In the world, peace is something you hope for or work for. But to the Christian, peace is a wonderful gift from the Holy Spirit. Unsaved people have peace when there is no trouble. Christians enjoy peace despite of circumstances, despite trials, only through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Peace from Jesus is very different from peace from the world. Those who hold fast to Jesus, striving to obey his commands, will receive the peace of Jesus as a gift, peace that the world can never give nor take away. His peace assures of his, of his presence and support. Earlier I posed the question, how does the Holy Spirit reveal himself to us? For me, I find God is not pushy. He's very subtle. His promptings are ever so soft and faint, easy to miss. It's hard sometimes to know whether it's God or whether it's me because he's so gentle. Often I get the feeling to do or say something or to not do or not say something. Sometimes I hesitate and I miss that opportunity. My faith in God through the Holy Spirit gives me 100% assurance that I am saved. Again, Paul in Romans 8 said, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. In my teaching days, I once taught with a Buddhist, and we slowly got to become friends. We shared bits of our lives with each other, and over time, our sharing got more personal. I was looking for an opportunity to talk about life after death. And when that opportunity came, he said that he hoped that he and his wife and his children would be good enough in this life to come back in the next life better than they were in this one. When I shared that Jeanette and I and both our children were believers in Jesus, and that I knew for certain that we were all going to be in heaven forever with God. God planted a seed in him, I believe, because I think he saw in my unshakable belief in what I said. That's the Holy Spirit. People in the world walk by sight and depend on externals things they have. Christians walk by faith and depend on eternals. The Spirit of God teaches us from the Bible and gently guides us into the truth. 
And he reminds us of what he taught us, because like the disciples, we forget and need to be reminded, sometimes again and again. He teaches us that we can depend on God's word in difficult times in life. The Spirit, through the Bible, gives us his fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and so on. This is what calms a troubled heart. In his last letter before he was killed, Paul said that the Holy Spirit gives us three things, power, love, and self-control. And who doesn't need those things in the world that we live in today? We don't have Jesus teaching us through our life experiences physically present with us, but we have the Bible, God's living word. We need to know what Jesus said and did, as well as the rest of the Bible, in order for the Spirit to guide us through life. And the Holy Spirit can't remind you of something that you don't know. Billy Graham said in his book, The Holy Spirit, we need to understand that the Holy Spirit is in us and that God wants our lives to be controlled by him. So how will you be obedient this week? Ask God to help you. Ask the Holy Spirit to teach you and to make the Bible come alive to you. Then apply what you've learned, because that should be the reason we study God's word. As you're obedient to Jesus, your love for him will grow, and it will keep on growing as you become more and more obedient. You may feel inadequate, but the Holy Spirit will make you competent and courageous. You may be fearful, but the peace of Jesus Christ is ours for the asking. Circumstances may be grim, but victory has been assured. So I urge you, if you haven't already done so, embark on a journey with the Holy Spirit. Your life will never be the same. If you've already have done that, go deeper. Pray to God every day. Stay in the Bible every day. As you do this, the Holy Spirit will bring out the truth of God to you, encouraging you to put it in your heart and put it into practice. He's right there beside you, helping, comforting. He is your advocate. You know, you can do so much more for a person whom you know well and love dearly. Because with that close relationship, you know that person intimately, and you know how to please them, to give them joy. We all need to desire and and develop our relationship with Jesus, and that happens with the help of the Holy Spirit. So make your heart become a heaven on earth as you daily invite the Holy Spirit into your life. Let's pray. Father, may your Holy Spirit encourage us to act on your promptings today and throughout the days ahead, and bless us as we do so. 
may our efforts be pleasing in your sight. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.